This is the Strike Mash Boil podcast presented by the Merrimack Valley Homebrew Club. It's time for some news and some reactions. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Strike Mash Boil. I'm Marco, president of Merrimack Valley Homebrew Club. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Phil. Uh, and this week, we're joined by the two Shans, Sean and Sean. One spelled the right way, one spelled the wrong way. Sean Lucier and Sean Dooley. Welcome back, guys. Well, which one How's spelled the right way, which one's the wrong way? Well, on my screen, one of them self-proclaims the proper spelling, so I'll let him speak up. <laughs> well, the other one of us just knows they're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I got to get a win wherever I can. Uh, well, guys, so in the last few weeks... Uh, we've had some major news drop in the world of craft beer and home brewing. Uh, so this week I thought we could uh, go through some of the headlines and get some of everybody's reactions. Yeah, so kind of the format we're going to do is a little bit of like a round table. Uh, I'm going to read off the headline and maybe a little bit of background behind what's going on. And then uh, we'll just go around uh, the four of us and, and s- Say if you're happy for it, you don't like it, you know, think it's a good thing, a bad thing, and then why? So, uh, yeah, pretty simple. So I'll I'll kick things off. Number one, Common Craft is bringing four different bars to the Burlington Mall here in Massachusetts. A popular local brewery taproom, a speakeasy-inspired cocktail bar, a wine bistro, and more all under one roof. Uh, so this is a big renovation at the Burlington Mall, which is uh, one of the big malls here in, in uh, the kind of north of Boston area. They basically took the first floor of the kind of backside of the Sears and that used to be there, and they gutted it, and they put in um, this really uh, interesting looking, I haven't been yet, uh, just opened, what, last Wednesday, I think? But they put in this really cool uh, hipster place with multiple, um, I don't know, uh, tap rooms inside of it. So they've got uh, Idle Hands from Malden. They've got Hermit Thrush Brewery from Vermont, which does mostly sour beers. Deacon Giles Distillery from over in Salem. Uh, A winery. And then they've got, uh, from what I've seen in the menu, a pretty um, hipster-looking food menu. And then they've got... Uh, a giant outdoor space, another uh, large indoor space that's kind of common, and you can just bounce around from room to room and and uh, grab beer or, or cocktails or wine from wherever you are. So it looks uh, looks pretty slick. So Marco, why don't you start off? What do you think of this? I think it's great. Uh, I, I love this sort of thing. Now, uh, what is interesting about it is that we're seeing the basically the first one of these popping up in uh, what is a traditional indoor mall and over the last two years traditional indoor malls have really struggled but so i I think it's interesting that that's the brainchild from it and from uh, challenges comes these unique creative ideas to sort of bounce business back and i think it's awesome i think it's really cool Uh, the concept itself uh, aesthetically is really interesting and, and looks really great. I think some of the brewery choices they chose are pretty great. And, you know, anybody who knows me uh, and has hung out with me knows that I partake in several different types of adult beverages. So to have 
this sort of expansion on a beer garden is sort of the way I was thinking about it, where uh, it's not just a selection of beers, but these other adult <coughs> beverages under one place that's a hangout kind of cool area. Uh, I think it's awesome. I, I love it. And and uh, some of the local malls have done some of these interesting, uh, unique concepts uh, that aren't just, um, you know, geared around alcohol. This one is alcohol. But I think the Natick Mall also has like this adult playground uh, thing that they, uh, like an obstacle course place they put in. So I, I really love the innovation and creativity that's coming from these places. So I'm all for it. All right, Sean Dooley, why don't you go next? Uh, I have to say I agree. I think that it's a, a good idea to revitalize these malls. Um, I'm kind of curious. They've said many times pretty vaguely that um, they're looking at this being a rotating selection. Um, if you look at the pictures, they're pretty built out, so I don't know how often they actually plan on changing them out. But, um, you know, I think I personally would rather go somewhere that has options of four different places that know what they're doing well rather than go to a tap room where somebody's like oh we also do shitty wine and you know try to appease everybody that way so i think it's a good way to let people focus on what it is they do best but also have a broader offering that'll kind of appeal to everybody uh so you don't have those people like oh and i don't want to drink anything because you don't have what i like you know keeps the variety up there um, well, uh, Sean, something to add to that is there's a place in Jackson, Mississippi at uh, a shopping center down there called The District. And the name of the place is called Cultivation. And it's basically an elevated food court slash cafeteria where it's basically all these small restaurateurs that are, you know, probably don't have enough in them to do these full-on built-out restaurants so they take a little bit of space they're unique and they're basically a, a pop-up and it's cons constantly changing and it basically allows for them to um, build their business and potentially grow into something uh, bigger i could see this doing a similar type of thing like we have uh, right now some known names that do it well but couldn't you see it being that startup that is just creating some interesting stuff that comes into here and starts producing, you know, small batch beer or small batch wine that's just really great but isn't a big enough business to, to go mainstream. And it's a way for them to cultivate it and grow it. I, I think it's really cool. Yeah, I mean, I think we have a, a much smaller example of that in the area. Um, in Somerville, Union Square, um, there's yeah. the Bow Market, uh, where Remnant Brewing uh, first started up. Um, I mean, they're still tiny, but that, that whole idea is similar to what you're talking about. I think those have a lot of you know, possibility. I think they're a great idea. And I'll just be the first to say it. I think the abandoned Lord and Taylor <coughs> needs to become a music venue. I think, I think Ooh, that'll be what... Music venue, wow. Yeah. I think that these old malls should become, you know, music venues, theaters, have some retail thrown in and restaurants and make them a, a different kind of destination from what they used to be. All right. The other Sean spelled the right way. <laughs> I think it's going to be pretentious and overpriced, but at the same time, I, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't hate it. Um, you know, I, I, I guess it all depends on how it's, it's being, you know, cut up and stuff. I, again, I haven't been there yet, but 
if it's going to be something like I'm thinking the Tuscan villages, kind of, they've got the restaurants, they've got a couple of different vendors kind of out in like an open court area where I can go up to the smutty nose trailer and grab a beer. My wife can go over to whatever the other, whatever the other little trailer trucks are. Um, that do some of the mixed drinks or some of the seltzers or stuff like that, like, you know, or, or wine or whatever. Um, and you can all congregate together. Um, then in that, if that's the case, then I like it. But if they're going to be like separate entities, then I, I'm, I'm that I don't see it going well. But again, I don't I haven't read too much up on it, so I don't know exactly what their plans are. It does look like they have a large center hall and then all of these other spaces are kind of connected off of it and it looks like you can kind of they have said you can grab a beer or cocktail or wine and just walk from room to room or if you're in the big hall in the middle so it seems like it's um almost food court like but yeah for craft beverages yeah so i mean i like the idea like i said it's gonna it's it's not gonna come without a price it's it's gonna be expensive and you're gonna you're you know that's that is something that you just got to prepare yourself for, but I, I I do like the idea in theory. I saw the prices on um, online somewhere, and it looked like the, at least for idle hands, the the draft pours were about the same as if you're at the at the brewery tap room. So it's not like there's a a little bit of a jack up on prices there. Okay. It's going to be but more you know, expensive because instead of me getting three pints, I'm going to get three pints and tiki cocktails. A couple cocktails <laughs> yeah. and then a glass of wine. And, yeah. yeah. But you know, I've got a buddy who does not drink beer. In fact, he doesn't drink carbonated beverages at all. His 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 uh, dislike is the the bubbles. Um, I've tried to get him onto nitro beer, but he just he can't do it. Um, but he, you know, cocktails he's all for you know just just give him a um, vodka straight in a glass and he's a happy camper so you know this is the <laughs> what, kind of place hey that, what what cocktail is just vodka straight in a glass i'd love to know what that one is uh it's it's vodka on ice yeah disgusting a craft, a craft cocktail vodka ice done yeah yeah squeeze a lime but you know you've got a group of friends and not everybody drinks beer um, as much as we don't think that is a reality, that is a reality. Uh, much like you guys have mentioned, it's it would be great to have a spot where everybody can get something of their own. Um, and Marco, you hit it on the the nail on the head. Like revitalizing these malls, these big, huge places that you know Sears had sat empty for years in our mall, and it was always kind of sad. That end of the mall was just like. That that's not where you parked. That's that was the dead end. That's probably where all the drug deals were going down, really. <laughs> but uh, you know, bringing that back the the malls, a little bit of innovation. Um, and you know, something I was thinking about is you look at the area where Burlington is, and you've got a lot of there's a bunch of tech companies there on 128. You've got uh, the Leahy Health uh, Hospital and, and medical complex right there. So this place is probably going to be a bumping spot in the afternoons and evenings after work, especially during the week. And then on the weekends, it's probably going to become a little bit of a hangout spot for folks who, you know, are looking for something a little different to do, but not necessarily um, want to just be mall rats hanging out the mall, trying to decide if a, uh, if the pretzel spot is actually a mid mall eatery or at the food court. 
after they recorded uh, Paul Blart Mall Cop at that mall, I'm surprised <laughs> it took them so story. long to. Uh, I'm surprised it took them so long to kind of renovate. Damn, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, so if uh, anyone out there wants to know what the mall looks like, <laughs> yeah, I think it looks a little different now. Yeah, <laughs> still, still in shambles. Uh, what now, uh, Phil? If we go back to a couple, uh, a few episodes ago when we were making predictions for 2022, I yeah. think that this one is going to support my prediction a little bit. Uh, in oh, sort about of, your whiskey thing? Yeah, sort of an offshoot sort of way, where oh, you're uh, just going to claim it. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm fucking owning it. Uh, so basically, what I, you know, I, I, one of the things I said during that episode was that I think the uh, beer drinker has a limited budget. I don't think that they have this endless amount of money. And I think with places like this, what you'll find is that instead of somebody going to a brewery and specifically just drinking beer and putting that budget into beer, they're going to diversify it a little bit. Mm. And I think long term, it'll start to have an interesting impact on craft beer sales. Uh, So I think this is and I honestly, I think uh, diversifying your adult beverage drinking is a good thing. So uh, I don't have any problem here. But but I think that this is sort of an indication of that uh, another step in that direction. All right. I isn't Deegan Giles a rum place? It's not a whiskey place, but you were. Right? I'm sorry, rum and whiskey. I mean, it's distilled. Who gives a shit? Yeah. It's the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Let's go to the next one. Um, so this is a bit of homebrew news. Spike Brewing, which is probably one of our favorite companies for uh, parts and pieces for our breweries, has announced a new pump. Uh, coming this fall, uh, it is a homebrew pump. You can get it in an NPT format, which is the uh, natural pipe thread, so you screw everything onto it, or a, a tri-clamp, tri-clover style. Um, you know, prices are a little different for both, but uh, they claim best-in-class gallons per minute flow rate and pressure, which is really good if you're going to be using it for uh, doing any clean-in-place. Um And then the big thing that they threw in there is saying that their impeller has chopping tines, so you can't clog it with hops or any grain or anything that might get through um, whatever you're using for a false bottom or grain basket or, you know, hops you just tend to toss in the kettle anyway. Um, It looks pretty slick. The other awesome thing I'm actually kind of excited about is it has an integrated... Uh, air release valve to make priming the pump easier with a built-in drain. So you'll have a little uh, valve on the side. You open it up, it'll prime the pump. No more, you know, needing a big assembly off the front uh, if you if you do something like that. So new pump from uh, Spike. Uh, Marco, kick it off. Yeah, I'm pretty neutral on this, honestly. Uh, you know, I think it's, you know, I've, I've talked before that how much I love the innovation that happens in uh, home brewing and the technology that we've seen pop up. But I haven't really experienced, uh, and this is strictly in my experience, uh, any deficiencies with my current chugger pumps. I've never had them clog. I've never had them really fail. Uh, I've had the bleeder valves that I put on them work fine. So I haven't really experienced uh, a need for innovation there. So I'm like, meh, I'm not, you know, I'm not, 
I think some people, uh, you know, that haven't gone, that may be entering the pump world that don't want to learn some of the things that I had to learn putting minds to mine together, uh, you know, might be easier for them. But for me, I'm like, meh, whatever. It's not, I'm not that excited about it. I'm not, I don't hate it. I don't love it either. All right. That's fair. Sean Dooley. Well, for all that hot side I put into my cider, it's going to be really useful. No. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I have it up on the, the screen here. I mean, I'm I know nothing about these pumps. I I guess I'll miss uh, Phil doing the ah, it's hot, it's hot dance while he's trying to like balance the tubes and get the get the liquid to flow through and reconnect it at the last second. But um, I mean, it looks like it's got a price point for the triclover of two thirty nine. I mean, how does that actually compare to just your standard pump that's out there right now. Double? Yeah, well, I wouldn't call it double, but it is more expensive. <clears throat> but with that integrated bleeder valve, I think you are, you're removing a bunch of parts and valves and things off the front that you normally you know, would have to go buy. So you probably got about, if you really think about it, you probably got about 30 or $40 in parts just to build out one of those um, bleeder valves. Do we know um, what the cost is on the Blickman, uh, the, what is it, the Riptide? Because they've got the integrated, um, you know, pressure relief valve type, you know, bleeder for it. Uh, it looks like that's two fifty at Northern Brewer, two twenty five at uh, that's the NPT is two fifty. Okay. Two forty four ninety nine. So the, the NPT for Spike is two nineteen. Uh, my my second question is, for the knowledge side, best in class nine gallons per minute. I've I've never seen you try to move nine gallons in a minute on a pump before. Usually it's uh, you know, yeah. twenty gallons in forty five minutes. But you Is could. <laughs> yeah, I mean the only time I think that would be useful is if if you chill in your kettle, right, and you have a um you're not using a counter flow or a plate chiller, um and you just need to move it out of there, you know, pretty quick, that would be useful. The only other time I could see that being helpful is uh that best-in-class pressure rating with it is for clean in place. Hmm. Looking at the Riptide specs, too, I think that one's only at about 7 gallons, which is what the new, I don't know if it's new, the X-Dry um, chugger pumps, too, are all right hmm. around 7. Yeah, I, I have the chugger pumps, and I've converted mine over with the X-Dry kit. Um so I mean I'm excited for the the product just because it's new and and interesting. Um, I've got pumps that are working and working great. Um, so I don't know if I would go buy new pumps just for the fact that there's a new pump out on the market. I mean it does have uh, that badass black anodized motor shell and shot blasted <coughs> housing. I know. You can go wrong gonna, with that. Then you're <laughs> gonna then tuck up underneath your uh, brew stand and never see it again. <laughs> No, I think it's a, a really great thing for Spike to, you know, continue expanding into the different markets. It makes sense for them to to have their own pump, considering they have their own setups for um, the, you know, buy once, cry once. Mm -hmm. um, and to come in just under like the Blickman stuff um, yeah. is, you know, is just, you know, just adds a little bit of extra sugar on top. Though they do say that's the pre-order price and yeah. usually the uh, actual price mm -hmm. is a little higher after that. Yeah, it's definitely a good move on their part to do it. Yeah. All right, next one. Uh, in this month's uh, Zimmergy, 
uh, if you haven't read it yet, uh, from the you know the article from the editor right up front. Bring back the cask. So it's basically a love letter to all things cask beer and and UK style beers, and really a push to uh, you know to to bring those styles back and and grow them. And um, there's been some other articles recently in like Good Beer Hunting and Beer and Brewing um, about uh, cask ales and and <coughs> uh, bringing in beer engines to bars and how to go do that. So. Uh, that is uh, that's that one. So bring back the cask. How do you guys feel about that, Marco? Yeah, Phil. Is this not a self fulfilling addition to this list that you've done here? Well, you took credit for the uh, <laughs> the alcohol in the first one, so I'm going to take credit for this one in my predictions. Yeah, yeah, got it, got it. Yeah, just what a coincidence. Uh, uh, hey, listen, anybody who listens to this podcast probably understands at this point that we're advocates for this uh, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, we tend to like traditional styles of beer, and real ale is certainly a traditional style of beer. Uh, so we are advocates for it. Bring it on. Uh, a few of us in the club, uh, hint, hint, a few of the guys that are on this podcast regularly have beer engines, and we obviously love this style of beer. So if I have access to it in more places more frequently, I'm a happy dude. So bring back the cask. Sean Dooley. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm for it too. I think, um, you know, it, it, you were definitely my first kind of introduction to having these uh, styles, and I think there's a lot to be said about uh, some of the the lower gravity beers out there, and yeah, I mean, add it to the mix. I don't think for me it'll ever replace the you know colds carbonated. Uh, styles out there but yeah I'm, I'm for the cask so it's funny i was just listening today to i think it was the latest uh episode of the beersmith podcast and it was or one of the later one one of the latest ones and he was doing a, a q a with uh jamil from heretic mm. and he was asking him, you know, like, well, what is your favorite style of beer? And obviously you get the, oh, well, I love all beer and this and that. But um, he said if he had to choose a style of beer that he, if, 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 if every beer on the draft list was good, what would be his favorite style of beer to drink at that brewery? And he said it would be probably a British mild. And, you know, he was talking about how he's getting a little bit older and wanting to, you know, he's kind of getting back into home brewing a little bit more and out of the production brewing, you know, uh, side of things, at least just physical hands on brewing. And he um, and he he was he was talking about wanting to do like an like an at home beer engine and bring back the cask. So, yeah, it's, it's something that I've heard a little bit recently. And again, same as. The other Sean, um, I you 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 guys the club has really my been my first, you know kind of you know introduction to the you know these these lighter, you know lesser carbonated styles and then you know and then you really want to get fancy with it and you get a couple of you guys with these engines and stuff like that it's a completely different experience so absolutely I'm all for it yeah and I should preface too I just want to add because I you know before Phil just starts to spew his love for cask beer uh, <laughs> again. Uh, you know, I uh, one of the things that we've talked a bunch about on the podcast, and I'm a, a true believer of this, is I'm not looking for uh, an all cask only 
place to go. I, I'm there are I'm sure there's a place in the world for that. But I think having a cask option, right? We've talked on the podcast about going into breweries nowadays and there's 17 IPAs on draft and we want a little bit of diversity. And I think this offers a little bit more diversity. So when I say bring back the cask, I'm thinking I'd love to see one firkin sitting up on the counter somewhere, uh, you know, with getting tapped and, and having beers pouring gravity into glasses, I think would be really cool. But I don't necessarily want a thousand different options. I just like that diversity to experiment, try some different styles, uh, traditional styles, of course, but to have like a few different things to, to try when I go to a, a brewery and not just palate fatigue because I'm on my 14th IPA. But even just off of that, at Big Brew Day, we had a beer on a beer engine, and it was a Citra Blondale. And so for the hop heads out there, I think they would have gotten their fix from that little 3.8% easy-drinking uh, Citra-focused beer. Um, and it's an English style, um, served on a beer engine. Um, I thought it was pretty awesome. And it didn't it was hurt that it was on at 9.30 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty good, but you can't tell me the hop heads are in for that. I mean, there's something about uh, the carbonation and how it spits yeah. out aromas. Like, it, there isn't, there, that's not going to replace that. And, and honestly, cask beer isn't for everybody anyway. No. I mean, we know that. Like, there are some people that would try and be like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, I think for me, I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, obviously, I love my cask ales, but I'm with you, Marco. I don't think it's something that, uh, in our market anyway, is sustainable um, as the only option. Um, Backbeat in Beverly, we've talked about them before. They have three or four beer engines, and I know Pete's been talking about bringing on a couple extras. But you know, they also still have, I think it's 16 beers on, on draft there. And that's never going to go away either. But I think having cask, having traditional styles, whether it's a lager on a Lucre faucet or a German lager served in a, gra a German gravity cask or an English beer served out of an English cask, you know, there's a time and a place for every beer style. And there should be love for every beer style. And just because it's not 34 degrees and super highly carbonated, you know, doesn't mean that that beer is probably not awesome. So uh, I think we posted today, even though it wasn't technically a Cascale, but it was about an old style beer in our Facebook group. The London Porter is making a comeback in London. And, you know, that's an old style that died out a long time ago. So I think there's a place in, in a, a world where these old styles and old methods of beer can come back and, and exist alongside everything else. All right, number four. This one, this one, oh man. The monks of St. Joseph's Abbey, which is here in Massachusetts, are getting out of the beer business and closing Spencer Brewery. And Spencer Brewery is the only Trappist brewery here in the United States. And Trappists are, are I think in the beer world, predominantly we associate Trappist beers with uh, Belgian style beers, whether it's uh, Chimay or Ravel, Wismal, um, Fester Vlerton, um, and a few others. You know, 
Yeah. So, Marco, you're up first. Yeah, this... Oh, man, this one... Sean, this one. did you just crack a Spencer quad? I did. <laughs> well done. Um, I had to run out and get some. Yeah, probably the first time you've bought one in, like, 14 years. That's um, not the point. <laughs> in the last time. Yeah, um, yeah, here, here's the thing, okay? Um, number one, I think it's a sad story, right? Like, I think that having the only Trappist brewery uh, in the United States uh, closing, and for everybody who knows that I love Belgian-style beer, I think that it's really unfortunate. But who the fuck didn't expect this to happen? Uh, number one, it's a style of beer that people... Uh, at least in this part of the country, aren't that into, period. I mean, we're, they opened the only Trappist brewery in Massachusetts, home of the New England fucking IPA, and they thought that it was going to be successful? How stupid is that? And not to mention, it happens to be some of the most expensive goddamn real estate in the country. So not only are you not going to sell the doors off your beers, but you're also uh, going to have ridiculously high expenses. This was doomed to fail from the beginning. And honestly, yes, their beers were pretty good. But honestly, the ones that I was getting on the shelves that were being imported from overseas were better. Like, I'm buying those anyway. I can't remember the last time I bought a Spencer Brewery. I've never visited the Spencer Brewery, and I live in Massachusetts. Like, this wasn't going to be successful to begin with. Sad story. I wish this opened up in, like, the woods of Vermont, maybe? Like, somewhere really uh, random that people would trek to and turn it into some sort of religious adventure? Or down south somewhere? Don't they like, already have those in Vermont? I think it's, what, it was Hill, Hill something, right? That one, yes, exactly. <laughs> People trek all over the place, although these beers don't compare to that. So honestly, like I don't I think this was doomed from the beginning. The news came out, it was sad, but I don't think anybody I mean if anybody is shocked or surprised by it, their beers were good. They weren't world breaking in my opinion. Uh, I don't think uh, there's any shock here. When did the when did the brewery actually open? Twenty fourteen. Yeah. Okay, so they were right I would say probably right at the beginning of that uh, of the, of that like New England IPA hype craze, kind of like right at the beginning of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, and according to the article Phil sent us, they were considering closing years ago. So I mean, I'm thinking within the first five years, they thought better of keeping it going. Um, and they never had plans for a tap room because they didn't want people actually coming out onto the Abbey because the brewery is right in the middle of the property near the what was it, near the chapel and housing. Yeah. So yeah, I mean. They couldn't do their own sales on site, so that's going to hurt you right there. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm with Marco. It's it's very sad. Um, it was a beer that I sought out at the holidays. It was it was one that uh, the Belgian Quad or uh, they had a couple other um, higher gravity styles that they would put in larger format, seven fifty mil bottles. I would seek those out at the holidays and have them at Thanksgiving or Christmas. But, you know, I think I think they missed the mark on packaging format. They were still doing four-pack of the little, uh, I don't know if they were pint bottles or 12-ounce bottles. But, you know, they were 
compared to an IPA, they're they're probably a little expensive. They're glass. They're not cans. Um, though they did recently start rolling out cans uh, to the market, but I think they missed on the packaging format. I think they, you know, you're not wrong, Marco. That you know, here in New England, home of the New England IPA, and you know, out in Spencer, who's who's their closest competitor, at least from a, a distance perspective? Uh, Treehouse, right? Yeah. So I mean. Even if they had a tap room, I don't think people are going to be going to their tap room over a treehouse. Um, you know, the other thing I see that they did wrong, probably in hindsight, they put in a monster brewery. I think it's like a 30 or 40 barrel brew house. Some monster tanks. They were making a shit ton of beer. And they had the distribution. They were out there. But, you know... There's something to be said about kind of that starting small and organic and, and growing it organically. And, you know, I, I, I'm sure there was some push from the Trappist uh, order, you know, with all the overseas breweries that if you're going to do it a certain way, you have to do it a certain way. Um, but I, I think I would have liked to see them start it off a little different. I think they probably missed the mark, like I said, on packaging formats, um, probably on beer styles as well. Probably should have done a New England IPA a little sooner. Um, and then, you know, they not having a tap room is probably a hindrance to them. Um, you know, I think their Phil, business Phil, model was tough. Yeah, Phil, if you weren't from Massachusetts yeah. and um, you heard about this uh, Trappist brewery where monks were making beer, mm-hmm. and I told you it was based in Spencer, Massachusetts, there is not a damn person in the world that would think, that's got to be some really authentic Abbey Ale right there. Like, they're going to be like, it's a Massachusetts, that's a bunch of white guys dressed up in robes brewing beer. Like, they're going to be like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, when people think about these uh, monks brewing beers, they're thinking about them overseas and, uh, you know, these, like, true old-school Trappist breweries with uh, hundreds of years of tradition. You know, when I when I when they first opened and I told people that, you know, these guys were opening a brewery and a lot of people said, "Where? Who?" And my response was, "You know those jellies you get, jams and jellies you get at the grocery store that say Trappist on the front? It's those people. It's the same freaking people." So, you know, that's the only that reference it is, yeah. yeah. The only reference. So, not surprised. So, Sean, do you have a, an opinion? Which one? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, Spelled the right way. So, Which one? Yeah, so Sean, Sean Loser. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm, I'm not really surprised at all. Uh, I can say that I think I've had, they did like, they didn't, they did an IPA, but it wasn't a New England style IPA. They did just kind of an American IPA. I, I, I don't know, maybe it was a Trappist IPA, I guess. Um, I don't remember it at all. I remember drinking it. I remember trying it, but I don't remember drinking it. And I don't remember anything about it that would make me want to get it again. And it was the only time I've ever had it. Hmm. Um, I think that the people that we're, you know, you know, us within the podcast and stuff like that, us that we're talking to, you know, we're a little bit 
more picky than most when it comes to beer, um, but I don't see your average Joe going out to get anything like that either. Um, so, no, I'm not surprised at all. It sucks. I mean, it, it, it would have been cool if they were able to market that whole only Trappist brewery in the United States a little bit better. But unfortunately, I mean, yeah, this it, COVID was the killer, I'm going to guess, but it sounds like it was well in the talks before then, before that. So, so our next headline uh, came out today. Uh, so I was putting together the list. I didn't even know this was happening um but i did a couple google searches and uh thanks to the guys at goodbeerhunting.com if if you're interested in some really great uh articles and and um news in the beer world they're a great place to go check stuff out uh aloha san diego mowing brewing company has bid to purchase modern times to add capacity and deepen their mainland roots so Maui Brewing Company, uh, which is a great brewery out in, in Hawaii, uh, obviously on Maui, uh, is looking to buy Modern Times, which I think uh, Modern Times got caught up in that whole Beer Me Too movement, I believe, um, last year. So they're looking to, to buy them off at an auction, um, rescuing them from uh, some financial issues, obviously from the probably from both the Me Too stuff, but also from you know the COVID world and whatnot. Uh, but I think what Maui Brewing Company is really looking for is a foothold in, in the United States, uh, co- you know, CONUS, uh, the continental United States. Um, you know, they brew, uh, up until recently, they brewed everything on the islands and then would have to ship it over. Uh, and then they started brewing here. Uh, I think they were doing some contract brewing here in the States. Um, so yeah, modern times getting sold to Maui Brewing Company, potentially. Marco. Yeah, you know, uh, just add this to the long list of mergers that are likely to happen over the next, you know, three to five years. Uh, I think uh, that you know the explosion that we've seen in the craft beer industry. There's just going to be more of this sort of thing where. Uh, companies are going to get bailouts by being absorbed by other companies. Companies are going to have aggressive uh, expansion um, uh, models that are going to include the acquisition of uh, other businesses. So I don't think this is surprising at all. Uh, I am, I would say, uh, pleased that it's not one of the big companies that's coming in and buying Modern Times. What I mean by that, you know, the InBevs, the uh you know, Miller Coors guys. Like, it's good to see uh, somebody else uh, jumping in and, and um, you know, making this acquisition and, and bailing these guys out. I, you know, can't say that uh, I'm, uh, you know, a massive fan of either one of the breweries. I like their beers. I think their beers are fine. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad to see that it's uh, a different player doing a similar uh you know, acquisition model that we've seen from other guys. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And, and I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of impartial here. You're assuming that a big brewery doesn't come swoop in and buy it though. It's up for auction. It's not a done deal yet that they're going right. to be the purchaser. Va- th- that's yep. valid. I, I should say I'm, I'm rooting for Maui to, to, yeah. to be the one <laughs> I should say, I should preface that. Yeah. So Sean Dooley. Yeah, I mean, everything Marco said, I think that, um, yeah, I'm, I've got their website up and I don't know that I've ever had any of their beers yet, but, um, 
you know they're they're certainly making the kind of beers that uh, everyone wants. I mean, bikini blonde, yeah, coconut would, porter. Oh yeah, I'll tell you. I literally I just had to pull up the website because I was getting a little bit confused, and I I, I could have swore they that where I was getting tripped up was Kona Brewing. Yeah. Mm, yep. And I, so in my head, as soon as I seen Maui Brewing, I'm looking at the spreadsheet and all that stuff. And I'm like, oh, Maui Brewing, like I've had a few beers from them and they were, you know, they were, you know, kind of bigger already. And I think that then now it realized that it was Kona Brewing. I think Kona Brewing actually brews at Red Hook in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Right. They're part of the craft, some craft beer collective or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that that I just had to wrap my head around that for a second, but yeah, Maui has always been in cans, Kona's in bottles. I will say just a quick look. I mean, whether you know they so now they've they've put up a you know a bid to purchase it. Um, the the art on the cans is very reminiscent of modern times. You know, their 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 labeling is very similar, not the same, but very similar. Yeah, I. Uh I have had Maui Brewing Company uh, a lot in my time spent in Hawaii. Humble brag. Um, yeah, <laughs> humble brag. Uh, Here it comes. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Well, you know, like, their beers are, I think they're really, really great beers for what they are. And there's only so far Maui Brewing Company was going to be able to go with brewing on the, on the islands or contract brewing on the mainland. So this makes sense. Um, you know, reading the Good Beer Hunting article, uh, them in modern times are actually about the same size. Maui Brewing is uh, um, up to 62,500 uh, barrels, and Modern Times is actually down a little bit to 53,000 uh, barrels last year. So, um, you know, they're roughly the same size, but obviously Modern Times has had some issues in the past couple of years, and, and Maui is continuing to grow. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, ha- I'm what, like Marco. I'm happy that this is happening between potentially between uh, like companies within the craft world. And it's not um, one of the big boys coming in and, and stealing a, a pretty famous craft brewer um, and just adding it to a portfolio. I think Maui's going to do right by the different brands, probably going to do right by the... Um, employees that work at modern times um i think it's going to be great and i do love a good bikini blonde or coconut porter they're just great bears and modern times they do a lot of the richer not pastry stouts but the imperial stouts and stuff like that i think so and they do they do pastry stouts yeah do they yeah can only say that I've had I, I I know the name Modern Times and I can only say I've only had them maybe a handful of times and stuff like that. But um, like I said, as long as it's keeping it from the big boys and it's bringing more beer here, as yeah. long as it's it's good beer, I'm I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, they do uh, already. Maui already um, distributes here in Massachusetts. Uh, I think Redstone and Craft Beer Cellar occasionally have it. I think Phil secretly wants them to also partner up with Kaloa and bring the rum over here, too. Oh, for <laughs> sure. For <laughs> sure. If you've never had Kaloa rum, seek it out. You can't buy it in Massachusetts. But you can but, in uh, Maryland. But you can in Maryland. I get cases of it from people I know in Maryland. 
All right. I, anybody I'm else my way here over. feels hard on smack the bottom of his desk? <laughs> <laughs> I'm on my way over. You've heard us talk about them on our podcast, our local homebrew stores offering the listeners of Strike Mash Boil an awesome deal on their first order online or in person. Beer Wine Hobby at 87 Andover Street in Danvers, Massachusetts is our go-to homebrew store. They have everything you need to brew a batch of beer, wine, or cider. They have more than 100 fresh grains, all the classic and new world hop varieties in a variety of sizes, and yeast from White Labs, Y Yeast, Imperial, and Omega. So for listeners of Strike Mash Boil, use promo code MVPOD to get 10% off your first order. Go to beer-wine.com to get started. That's MVPOD. All right, next one. Uh, so this is another interesting one I found on uh, the interwebs today. Um, this is up on Forbes actually two days ago. Uh, Boston Beer Company, uh, who also own, uh, are they truly hard seltzer? Is that the one that they own? Is it I think so, yeah. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Twisted Tea. Mm-hmm. So Boston Beer Company is going to release a THC-infused line of iced teas in Canada, and they are going to call it Teapot. Just <laughs> fucking brilliant marketing. It's genius. Um, so, uh, obviously, uh, Boston Beer, known for uh, Samuel Adams, um, and THC beers are not legal here in the United States as of the moment, but uh, they are legal in Canada. So... Uh, Interesting. Um, Wait, but hold on, Phil. They are legal, aren't they? No, yeah, Phil. Uh, uh, this isn't an alcoholic tea with THC, right? Uh, let's see. I didn't, I didn't see think anything it was. About I thought, alcohol. Yeah, I thought it was just I don't a regular think it's tea. I think it's just <laughs> yeah. THC. So THC beverages are legal in the United yeah. States. Are they? Yes. yes. Okay. Well, this article makes it. Uh, actually, hold on. Let me get. Because I want to say that the the whoever it was the brewer owner when you know I know obviously it's it's cores was uh, Blue Moon he's off doing his own cannabis infused so it's state by state yes that right that's right yeah Massachusetts uh, is one of them uh, mm -hmm. that allows it but I think you still have you have to buy it at a dispensary right correct Yeah. yeah yeah okay all right Marco you're up first. I mean, what's the C here? You have an adult beverage company making an adult beverage, right? Like, uh, like honestly, if any, like, there's no, uh, I'm totally fine with it. I think uh, cannabis and dispensaries uh, in the United States have their place. I don't think there's anything wrong with recreational use. I think it makes total sense for uh, companies to expand their portfolio and find ways to uh, make more money by jumping into these new markets. Uh, Sam Adams is a really, um, you know, good example of a uh, brewery that is uh, has gone to this point where they're too big to be considered craft beer and too small to be a microbrewery, uh, and so battles this front. And I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, but they battle this front on two. Uh, ends all the time where they're fighting localization of craft beers and then also fighting keeping up with the big guys uh, that it only makes sense they're going to always find ways to uh, expand their portfolio and find new businesses to enter and it's 
no surprise that one of the uh, fast growing industries in the United States is the cannabis industry. And especially where there's so much uh, potential and opportunity for states that have not yet legalized recreational use, New Hampshire being one of them, uh, right here in our backyard that hasn't uh, done it yet. Uh, but it's only a matter of time before it happens. So, you know, plant your seed, start, you know, pun intended, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, get start getting uh, some uh, brand recognition and, and seeing how it performs and then grow that business because it's only going to be uh, growing faster and faster as more states start to uh, legalize recreational use. Sean Dooley. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, you know, why are you making me follow Marco? Um, <laughs> I, I agree with that. I mean, for me, like the, the most interesting thing in this article you sent us was I missed out on the fact that Lagunitas got bought out in 2017. I mean, the rest of it, you know, just just <laughs> makes sense. Like, yeah, like expand your business. I mean, like you read off Sam Adams, Truly, Angry Orchard, Dogfish Head, Twisted Tea, like they're you know, Boston Beer Company is just expanding and expanding, and this is the next big market. It makes sense for them to be getting into. For sure. Yeah, I mean, if Boston Beer Company started making baby formula, it'd feel fucking weird. But they're, <laughs> but, but they're making an adult beverage from an adult beverage company. Mm. It makes yeah. sense that they'd expand. It's a natural expansion. I mean, right now, if they got into baby formula, they'd be damn heroes. <laughs> Good point. Good point. That's what so, so I have utopias. A, yeah. <laughs> so I, I guess I, I have a. I, I think it's a great idea. I mean, obviously, anything you know to to grow the business and all that stuff. But I guess I I kind of want to like kind of go off on a small little tangent here. What are your guys' thoughts with the legalization of recreational throughout Massachusetts and driving up and down the goddamn highway and every fucking billboard is weed? I don't like it. <laughs> I, 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 I don't like Sean. it. I, I, I think there's I, I just think it's way too impressive. There it's colors, it's 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 <laughs> not marketed towards That's kids. Sean, you're I don't me, like dude. it. You know, so you I sound like the, an old fucking man. Are I you do. Kidding me? Like, I do. I, I'm surprised do. anybody even notices the billboards. Do you know sure, where I see there. the? Do you know where I see the most of most of the billboards is in Rhode Island, where it's yeah. not legal. Yeah, everything's for Attleboro. Yeah, get right over the border, well, seven I mean, miles away. That's like yeah. how Phantom Fireworks well, but, is always advertising down here for New yeah. Hampshire. Right. You know, I don't know it. Well, it's, it's like south of the border started. You know, the fireworks place in South Carolina starts advertising in fucking new jersey yeah <laughs> i just don't want to see it marketed in a way like i see the way that a lot of these companies are marketing it's colorful it's 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 cool looking there's I, and i see kids getting i see kids getting you know like you know excited about just the colors they they they, they see it and i say it because my daughter has actually seen them and she she asked me what it was and you know, I try to explain it to her and stuff like that. And then you drive ten minutes down the road, and there's a Sam Adams Wicked Hazy, you know, billboard. And is it gonna be this giant billboard with a drink on it that will put you to sleep in thirty seconds? You know, <laughs> sounds it's, great for my kids. Sign me up. <laughs> I mean, uh, the, the Wicked Sean, Hazy Sean, billboard's th colorful too. Or is your kid gonna become an alcoholic now? I there where is the I mean there's not a ton uh there I because it's new 
everything is pot. But Sean, everything why do you suppose? Sean, why do you think uh, the primary uh, um, advertising source for cannabis is billboards? I think it's really all they're allowed right now. Ding, ding, ding. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not saying, I'm, not, I'm not saying they're wrong for doing it. I just don't personally like ding, it. Ding, ding, ding with a caveat. How many people are driving through Massachusetts to go places like New Hampshire and Maine? And, you know, here you go. Easy access to your, your cannabis products. Snag them before you go up north for your uh, long weekend yeah. or your, your week break. Hey, New Hampshire has liquor stores right on the highway. Yeah, they do. Mm. Forget on the highway. They're, they're, they have their own exits. Yeah, but you got to <laughs> gra- grab your weed before you go to New Hampshire where it's not allowed. So. Hey, you'll be in trouble. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm all for it as far as the market goes. And, you know, and it, it's, uh, you know, eventually one day, you know, New Hampshire will jump on this bandwagon. And, you know, I, I wonder how so Sean's going to vote when New Hampshire brings that up for a bill. He's going to be like, I don't want billboards. Yes, but no billboards. No billboards. Damn it. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'll, I'll sign on with you about the no billboards if you'll sign on with me about getting these uh, Caesar draft books and uh, DraftKings advertisements off of hockey. Yeah, I'd be okay with that too. I mean, I just, I mean, obviously, I'm not no, done I'm watching just, hockey yet, but I'm done yeah. watching. Re- I'm done watching the Bruins, obviously. But I mean, TikTok is on the friggin' ice. Get out of here with that nonsense. Get off my lawn. <laughs> Dude, Sean, when did you when did you turn into an old prude? Holy crap! Well, we'll save the know. not in my backyard for a couple minutes from now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, next to last, so we got two more to go. Uh, and I kind of wish we had uh, Nick or Dana here because this is a uh, maybe we'll have to rehash this with one or both of them in the future. Uh, World Beer Cup says Allagash White arguably the world's best whip beer is only worth a bronze at the world beer cup. And they didn't award a gold or silver. The only medal was to Allagash. There were 100 something odd beers in the category. Um, 100. Uh, let's see how many 102 entrants into the Belgian style wit category. And the best there could be was Allagash white as a bronze. So I have a question. The last time that Allagash White won a gold medal at the Beer Cup was 2012. Have they not been they submitting? Only, or well, they don't. It's not an annual thing. It's every other year, right? And then I think it skipped a year because of COVID. Um, yeah, so they didn't do anything in 2020. So the most yeah. recent, so 14, um, 16, and 18, it yeah. either wasn't put in or it didn't place at all. Right, which they may not put it in every mm-hmm. year. Uh, uh, guys, this has to be the dumbest fucking headline that's ever <laughs> popped up. <laughs> the, the WBC, as it will be known from this day forward, has about the same credibility as the WHO right now. Uh, <laughs> if this doesn't completely destroy any and all credibility that these fucking morons have, I don't know what does. For you to say that we have the best, but it's only third, is so fucking stupid. Uh, and not to mention that I am sure that some of the big players submitted their damn wit beers that are 
clearly world-class wit beers, and they didn't get recognition. This is outrageous and ridiculous. Uh, from this day forward, not a single soul should pay any attention to anything that comes out of the World Beer Cup because this is stupid. But Allagash better put the world's best bronze award-winning beer on their. <laughs> oh, cans. they need to. They need they to need put to something on this. Spike. They need to like. Yeah. They should troll the hell totally out of these should, morons. Yes. Yeah. Sean, anything to add to Marco? I mean, it it is. I get that they don't have to award a gold, but when the style guidelines. And well, and, I mean, I'm assuming they're they're tasting these blinds, and they don't know that they're tasting Allagash's right. beer. They are blind, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, these these judges need to get their tongues checked. I don't know what they were tasting. <laughs> the be- so- it's the number one selling craft beer in the country. But that doesn't make not, it the best, the right? That doesn't make yeah. it the best uh, wit beer. But still, like, how do you call something the best and say it's only worth bronze? Like, that's just stupid. Maybe you wanted something to be better and it didn't end up being better. But if it's number one, it's gold, period. Like, what are we doing yeah. here? Like, this is just dumb. Uh, you know, if we, go they, back, go if, if we go back to... Uh, our, our competition a few years ago, a couple of years ago, I, it was like the American lager table that we had. And I get it. We're not the World Beer Cup, but I officially feel like we have more credibility than these assholes. <laughs> I, I remember at that the American lager table, all of the beers were scoring below 30. None of them got – the number one beer on that table scored a 28. You know what? It still got a gold medal. It still went to the best of show. Beat out everybody else. Yeah, it did better than everybody else. It was the gold medal beer at that table. Like, fuck off, World Beer Cup. You it's, guys they are so even, stupid. They weren't even using a number ranking system. I'm not even sure what they were writing down. Like They were probably doing, like, mini best in show style things where you just kind of – yeah, you just sip them. Oh, yeah, it's better. This now is again, some anti-American, I have a stick up my ass <laughs> bullshit is what it is. They're like, oh, who garden didn't the- win? Uh, who garden isn't the best? They didn't, maybe they didn't submit. We can't, we can't honor these Americans. The Americans can't make the best wit beer. Who garden's brewed here? Yeah, I'm, I'm or just, no, I'm just, uh, yeah, you're right. It's in yeah, Belgium now. Yeah, it's originally listen. here. I was going to say, we just went over all this stuff with the wit beer stuff, but did they actually say what? Was the determining factor to only nope. give them the bronze? No, of course nope. not, because they don't want to be held accountable for anything. That's such bullshit. It's it's yeah. so it's here's, ridiculous. Here's a great uh, quote in here: If you tried 102 beers and only one beer is worthy of a medal, it's gold. Doing dumb shit like this makes your competition seem fucking dumb. What's the petition website? We should start one. <laughs> <laughs> is it sign.org or something? We should start one that says. Get Allagash White a gold medal because this is bullshit. They should absolutely troll them with their labels, though. They sh- it it needs to be put on there at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a top one hundred skew in the United States, Allagash White. Mm-hmm. And I wonder why, because it's only the third best in the world. <laughs> All right, <laughs> two thousand eighteen Avery Brewing got a silver. I haven't had anything. From, I'm trashing them now, but I haven't had anything from Avery that I've liked. And if they got a silver, Allagash definitely deserves yeah. a gold. Well, we had, had some good beers from Avery, but yeah, it's been we a had time. a lot of, we had a pretty diverse set of whip beers in our whip beer episode. 
um, which was just, I think, the one before this. Yep. And <clears throat> we ended up just liking two out of the group, right? Um, no, I think we liked the commercial. Three, wasn't ones. it three of them? There was a weird one in there that we yeah. liked, but it wasn't really Whitbeer like. It was an older. It was an older representation, yeah. wasn't it? I think so. The local one. And I mean, feels so long. Yeah. In our our king of beers, we were very split on the flavor profiles. Banana, right. clove, mm-hmm. like it's. Yeah. It is a controversial yeah. beer for what it is. <laughs> if you like what you've been hearing on our show, hit that subscribe or follow button on your podcast service. And if you have any ideas or feedback for us, leave us a review or shoot us a DM on Instagram at Strike Mash Boil. Or join the conversation in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash MVHBC. All right, our final, I saved the best for last, or maybe the most controversial for last. And uh, The best for your house market. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Again, the not in my backyard. There's your hint. All right. Treehouse Brewing Company announces it is buying the Tewksbury Country Club. Uh, Tewksbury Country Club is in the town of Tewksbury, where I live. Uh, it is a, it's not a true country club, but it is a nine-hole golf course. They have a very large event space, a very small restaurant in the back. They've got a very um, expansive patio. Um Beautiful facility, honestly. Um, do it is the restaurant's actually pretty good. My wife and I have gone on uh, date nights there. Um, not no chance for expansion beyond a nine hole golf course, just from a space perspective here inside of 495. And I mean, unless they want to spend tens of millions of dollars beyond whatever the hell they're paying now. Um, so yeah, Country Club, Tuxbury Country Club is going to turn into a treehouse brewing company. They're going to start selling beer in the fall to go. All the events after the new year are canceled. So all the weddings and whatever, they um, I guess they paid off all the brides, like $1,000 extra, gave all their money back. Um, Ouch. So they're going to – so the rumors I'm hearing is they're going to do to-go sales only in the winter, and then uh, they're going to spend that time renovating into the grand beer hall they're going to turn it into for an opening in the spring. So that's Treehouse coming to Tewksbury. I mean, I think this acquisition makes all the sense in the world for Treehouse. Uh, They are clearly trying to hit every corner of Massachusetts. Uh, We talked about the uh, brewery expansion in in Massachusetts and sort of the impacts of that. And I think this just gives, in my opinion, really great beer, more access to more people. And I think it's great. It's going to be... Uh, a, a traffic nightmare on Route 38 and Main Street in Tewksbury. It's going to, uh, you know, certainly uh, change some of, I think, the dynamics in that area. But I, I don't see anything bad from uh, Treehouse's perspective of, uh, you know, expanding uh, their business and their footprint. Uh, it is interesting to see how uh, it sort of starts to tap into that Boston Metro market a little bit. This, you know, we did talk a little bit about Treehouse and Trillium sort of staying in their lanes. Uh, this one's getting a little close and starting to probably pull uh, some of the 
um, consumer from the Boston market because it's pretty close to the city. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, what I think this will do, though, is have an adverse impact on some of the smaller breweries. Um, uh, you know, we talked a little bit on the Facebook group, and I think I had shared something like uh, Rip Merrimack Ales uh, after this opens. And, and that's Merrimack Ales being a brewery in Lowell. Uh, because honestly, I think uh, to the point that I made earlier, I think people only have a certain amount of money to spend on beer and they're probably going to go do it at Treehouse because it's more accessible now uh, versus uh, some of these other places. The breweries that I think will be fine uh, are like Navigation. Navigation Brewing in Lowell, which is going to be not that far from, from Treehouse, uh, I think has done a, an amazing job in uh cultivating their community and in, uh, engaging with their community uh, to build a business that I think is sustainable and will actually probably uh, work at attracting some of the people that are taking the trek up or down to Treehouse to want to try somewhere new and go to navigation. I don't think Merrimack Gales has done the same thing, which is why I ultimately think that this is going to negatively impact them. But the places that have done a good job in building their foundation and engaging with their consumer and building a small community, I think they'll be fine. Uh, so I, I think this is good. More beer is good, in my opinion. Sean Dooley. If Treehouse can navigate being in Sandwich... They can work with Tuxbury. Um, the spot that Treehouse is in a sandwich has had no less than three restaurants in the past, well, I've got COVID time, like six years. Um, that, that town in that area, they're notoriously hard on people that are in that building. Um, I was trying to pull up a little bit of information about exactly what their uh, draft requirements are, but, I mean, Treehouse is like basically you reserve your time you get in you have two drinks you get out um you have to even reserve your time slot to get beer there to go they have limited amount of of space i think that you know if, if tooksbury really works with treehouse they can they can come up with something that's going to avoid having crazy traffic all the time um from the wedding side of things, I think given that we're still coming out of all the pandemic cancellations, I think it's a little shitty that they're not going a year out on reservations just till the end of the year because finding a new spot for a wedding in less than a year is uh, not an easy thing to do, even with an extra thousand dollars in your wallet for it. But I mean, they gotta they gotta change over the clubhouse at some point and get going with their operations. So I, I get it; it just sucks. Um, I. I think that it's going to be, especially if they're going to a limited res reservation thing like they're doing in their other uh, spaces, it, it could be good for the smaller breweries because, you know, people are going to make the trek out. They're going to get their, you know, whatever amount of drinks they're able to get at Treehouse. And then hopefully because they've driven, you know, some time to get out to it, even though, you know, if you were right, they are getting closer to Boston. They'll you know be like, oh, let's, let's go over to Navigation. Let's go over to Oak and Iron. Let's go you know, and see what else is in the neighborhood while we're here. Um, there will be a lot of people that are just flying in on their way to New Hampshire. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think overall it, it's going to work out. I don't think that you'll see uh, them being uh, implementing a reservation system 
uh, for any other reason than they're you know working out the kinks of their operation yeah. and, and staffing. Yeah. Uh, it could, for those that are familiar with 38 in Tewksbury, it is a heavily commercialized um, uh, area. Mm-hmm. So it's built for... Uh, that type of traffic, and they have, um, you know, civil engineers that have worked out uh, traffic mitigation me- uh, methods with, you know, lights and stops and and all that stuff. So I don't I don't see uh, that being the reason why I'm laughing they- at you, Marco, because everybody <laughs> in Tewksbury would disagree with you. Yeah, well, I'm sure I'm sure they would, um, because when you live there and deal with it all the time. Uh, I feel the same way when I drive on Route 9 into work every day that I think it's a nightmare. But it is built to manage the traffic. Yeah. That's the point. Uh, and But this is a highly commercial district in Tewksbury. Right. Yeah. It's, what, it's the purpose of it. So if anything, this is a pretty large facility that they're jumping into, which is uh, you know their fourth large facility. Fifth, technically, if you count uh, Connecticut. Um, and so... You know, it's just a matter of them, you know, figuring out the staffing, the staffing situation in, in the workforce is still pretty challenging. So I'd say that might create more limitations for them than anything else. But other than that, I, I, I see it going to be fine. And again, you have the four corners now of Massachusetts where you're going to be able to get treehouse beer. That's going to lessen the burden on every individual one because of the access to it. They just happen to be in a more densely populated area. Uh, now in Tewksbury because of the proximity to uh, the city and and some dense uh, towns, uh, Lowell, uh, Lawrence. Uh, So that might drive a little bit more traffic to that one location, but I think ultimately the sum of all the parts will not be that crazy. So I'll ask the question. Trillium and Treehouse have tit-for-tat bought, you know, bigger real estate, farms, this... What the hell is next? Yeah. What well, apparently is next? it's a golf course. I mean, a golf course. Yeah. I, I, I mean, holy shit. Well, um, now Trillium's got to find 18 holes somewhere. Yeah. I, so Isn't I'll, there a 14-hole golf course somewhere in Massachusetts, Sean? I think you and I have played that. Uh, in Framingham. Yeah. But it's uh, town. That sounds terrible. <laughs> that uh, sounds Sean, terrible, what, 14 holes. Yeah, Sean, it, what you I would, just get into it by the 14th hole, and then it's over. You don't even get to like play your best round. You yes. Know, three, four holes. But you don't That's, tell so your significant hoping, other. They think you I'll have be another. honest, I was, was kind of hoping. So I, where, where I live in New Hampshire, we, we, have an 18, we have two full 18-hole golf courses for sale. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Come on, Trillium. Um, but I also don't want that down the street from my house. This company, this, this family has been trying to sell this golf course for years. And, um, I, I think that's the next step. I, I want to say that I want to see them. I, I, somebody's going to have to move out of state to kind of help, you know, I guess maybe distribute that beer a little bit more. I, I think I mean, that, I think you're right, John. I think that's probably what we see next for these guys. Uh, Trillium has, I, I believe, uh, tested this, um, although secretly, with the expansion of their UPS delivery of beer, that basically is giving them data points of which communities are more often purchasing the beer, like which zip codes are doing it. So I, I guarantee you that they're starting to look into markets that are out of state and where they're going to yeah. expand their business, and and that's what they'll they'll ultimately do. And I expect like there's only so much. Uh, space in Massachusetts, and I, I do honestly think that Treehouse and Trillium are not trying to occupy 
uh, the same areas. I don't think they're trying to be across the street from each other. Uh, Trillium pretty well holds down Boston uh, Treehouse now sort of around. There's only maybe a corner or two left that's really untouched, uh, that's within reasonable access to parts of Massachusetts, uh, North Shore being one of them. And so I wouldn't be surprised if one of these guys made their way up there. Uh, but but I, I think that that's what you see is next. And there could be something totally out of uh, out of left field that we're not thinking about that these guys already are that will definitely catch us off yeah. guard. Like them buying a golf course was pretty out of left field. Yeah. And then you yeah. got night shift to open up six different tap rooms within the city. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's unreal. But I, 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 I think that I, my wallet's going to hate me for Treehouse moving so close. <laughs> uh, it shouldn't, though, because I, I did, ran into this uh, just recently, and I was actually saying this to my wife. I bought two and a half cases of Treehouse beer for the same amount of money as two cases of Trillium beer. So Treehouse being closer to you, you're, you're buying really great beer at a more affordable prices. I guess I will say that if it be being more, you know, more easily obtainable, I'm not I'm not buying as much because I can get there whenever. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I, I'm out of this group. I live the closest. I, I am all of. You got to start of, charging for parking. Parking or um, <laughs> run a shuttle. shuttle. I have to run, run the shuttle. <laughs> I might convert uh, my uh, shop in my garage instead of being into the pub. It might be a bunkhouse. Um, <clears throat> So it's it's just about two miles away from me. The Hayes Boy Hut. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, it's right next to the grocery store we shop at. And that's actually, the traffic I think is going to be a little annoying to begin with. I don't think it's going to be bad forever. Um, so a little, little uh, you know, it'll be some growing pains with that. Uh, I have just gone and done some Google mapping on how to get to that part of town if you're coming from the different highways. And one worry I do have is that Google Maps routes you uh, down a, sh- a certain street past all of the ball fields in Tewksbury. And it's a very popular area, especially with all the kids. And the town has already put in those huge, they're not even speed bumps. You know, they're like the speed raised. Mountains. Yeah, that are basically the size of an entire car and they go up a good foot. Um, They've already put in about eight or 10 of those there. So hopefully that'll kind of hold the traffic down. Maybe Waze and Google will route everybody on maybe some of the better main roads, but right now it routes it right down Livingston, which is not the best route. Um, I mean, I have never been a huge fan of Treehouse. I've never been out to Charlton, funny enough. I always have friends who are going and like, hey, you want some treehouse? Sure, bring me some treehouse. Um, I've never really sought it out. So I guess the thing that's going to annoy me is that people come over and be like, hey, you got some treehouse here? Like, just because it's down the road, you expect me to have treehouse on no, draft No, I got here? notch. Yeah, right, exactly. But, I mean, treehouse does have a lot of styles other than uh, IPAs. So mm-hmm. I am excited for that. I'm, I am excited for... Um, you know, my team at work in a pre-COVID world, we used to go out to breweries all the time. We'd go hit up Idle Hands. We'd go down to, to Night Shift. Um, we'd go to this this place called Arpobo. Um So we would go out to different <laughs> breweries all the time. <laughs> uh, 
So this is going to be a really great option here in town, I think, uh, especially with my company being kind of based in, in this general area. Um, the one thing I would say is there's a liquor store right next to this. Uh, they piss me off sometimes in their selections and offerings. And I think if they were smart, they would step up their game in both liquor and beer because this is an opportunity to be right next door to a massive draw for hipsters and alcohol. And, you know, come to Treehouse and you can get all of your insert beer here. Come to Treehouse and you go right next door and you can get all of the, you know, hipster whiskeys here. And I just, I don't see them being smart enough to figure all that out. Um, well, except that they except that they make ten million dollars a year. Yeah, because most of what they sell is fucking Bud Light and and Tito's. Yep. Right. So I when know, is what is the BT's equivalent over there? You know, on I mean, I know a little bit of thirty eight. You know, obviously yeah. growing up in Lola, I know a little bit of it. But mm-hmm. what is the like? You know, you go to you go to Charlton. You go to when we used to be in Monson, and you don't go to Treehouse unless you go to BT Smokehouse. Yeah, there is, is a, there is no equivalent to BTs. No. There is but a barbecue joint across the street. It's called Jack and Bobby's, and it is. Come to my house if you want brisket. Let's put it that <laughs> like, yeah. That's not that. No, like, French's. This episode French's, is brought to you French's by is, Hill Smokehouse. No, French's is closed. <laughs> French's is closed. Oh, is it? French's yeah. is done. I thought they were just remodeling it. No, no they're gone. Yeah. Oh well, then there's that. They were they were they were our uh, chicken uh, chicken broccoli ziti plates. Yeah. What's for a the long deli time. place? What about the deli place? Uh, you got Big Jim's roast beef down the street. Jimbo's. Jimbo's. Yeah. Oh, Jimbo's. Whatever. Go it is. to Big Tessie's. Yeah. No. Um, but what's the deli place? What Deli King? Deli King. There you go. That, <laughs> yeah, they're uh, they're up for sale too. Well, they're they're, they're near, that. Near a Treehouse Italian. Yeah, Mirabella's, which is the bakery. They're gone. Mirabella's is gone? Yeah, they closed during COVID. Oh. Yeah. Damn. What about Donna's? Holy duck. Get some donuts in the morning. Donna's is... 38's going to shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, What's Donna's the- is bumping, so we're, okay. we at least got our donut joint. What's the bar next to Ocean State Job Lot? That's where we'll go hang out. Oh, the Sky Bar? Yes. There you go. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, I don't know what's better. They have darts. We can play darts at karaoke. the Sky Bar. <laughs> They're TJ Callahan's or whatever the fuck that place is called most towny joints ever um you know just kind of thinking about it wamaset lanes better step up their uh, mm-hmm. beer selection yep. in that big bar of theirs yep um maybe you'll see treehouse on draft over there who knows they got they got the indoor golf simulator treehouse they do a little collaboration they get treehouse yeah. golf course on there in the winter oh yeah because they're keeping that golf course going the entire you know they're keeping that golf that's what they they said said. they're going to keep the golf course but marco you were thinking they might you think they're going to ditch the golf course eventually i think i think it is a short-term plan plan. yeah for sure i i don't have any insight into that but i'm i'm i have a hard time fathoming that long term they're going to want to maintain a golf course it's an expensive um venture to maintain it's also not that it's not a big money maker like golf yeah. courses have not been making money in the united states for a while now uh, yeah. so i i would bet that oh. there's a bigger vision i don't know i bet you just with the name alone they could jack up that weekend greens fee from 33 bucks to something else even for nine holes 
Yeah, but they could also maybe how much sell business is going to be done on that golf course? Yeah. Well, they, with sixteen uh, Juliuses. Hey, right now you cannot drink alcohol on that golf course. You think that's going to fucking last? Nope. Well, it depends. It depends on what the, you know, and what I don't know the really answer are. this. Yeah, what, this, what the town what, allows. Well, what there's what the existing special permit is because their yeah. existing special permit likely has a lot of influence from the 55 plus community that's right behind them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I have a feeling Tuxbury is just going to bend over backwards and take it up the ass to whatever oh, treehouse wants. Oh yes. Because You're going to see is gonna so be... many golf carts just running <laughs> rampant through this all is... parts. I don't Tuxbury think Tuxbury is just have... taxes. Tax Tuxbury... dollars, tax dollars, tax dollars. Yeah, Tuxbury could not have approved that sale any faster. No, for sure. <laughs> all right, so we had one honorable mention, and Sean mentioned it earlier, and it's not on the list, but uh, I did want to throw it out there, um, mostly because I, I forgot. Uh, Night Shift Brewing announced that they were opening... Four additional beer gardens within the city of Boston and Cambridge, uh, above and beyond the two they already have, and the tap room they have at Love, uh, the tap room restaurant at Lovejoy in downtown, and the brewery over at uh, Santilli. So now six night shift beer gardens, all within Cambridge and Boston, and the tap room over in the tap room restaurant over at Encore. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they're over at Encore, yep, they the got big Encore. casino. So, Marco, what do you think of this? It's a lot it's, of beer gardens. I think it's smart. Uh, beer gardens are uh, certainly a, a worthy investment for breweries right now. They are short-term real estate investments. They make tons of cash, especially during the summer months in the, the city. And they're is- dropping them in little parks right near major office areas and with covid kind of i don't want to call it ending but winding its way down or at least we're growing to live with it uh people are moving back to the office and there's space for them to coexist Uh, you guys have heard me talk a ton about uh, the cisco beer garden and the seaport Mm -hmm. that's located legit across the street from trillium's restaurant and if you ever go there on a friday night thursday after work both places are slammed Jammed. Uh, yeah. so it's uh it, it's definitely smart because again it's temporary real estate it's not super expensive it's a small footprint you don't have to extend yourself and and commit a ton of capital dollars to it and you can make a, a pretty decent paycheck there's probably some argument too i mean the the headcount isn't that huge at these places but that um you know, from the city's perspective, you can limit traffic a little bit at rush hour because people are not staying in the city as, you know, or not leaving all at the exact same time. People are sticking around in the city later into the evening. Well, the city's caught on to this a little bit, too, because um, I mean, normally... They make their money. Yeah, but normally, uh, it's funny, you, you could normally request uh, temporary liquor licenses, which were really short-term, and then you would basically... Um, renew them or keep reapplying for them. And they've sort of caught on to these. uh, And, you know, their system was built for this, but they've probably seen how much money these guys are making and said, yeah, let's let's make sure we get our cut. So they've, uh, you know, got... Gotten a little bit more creative in how they expect people to apply for those temporary liquor licenses. There was an article about that a while back that uh, Rob Birds was saying they were sending somebody to City Hall daily to apply for the license because it was a they had to apply like every day, but it was for three days out. Yes, right. And 
yeah, so somebody was being paid daily to go down to City Hall to submit their, their license request for their one-day liquor permit or beer yeah. permit. So what they've started doing is, or some of the communities have started to uh, cap the amount of, of those short-term liquor licenses you could pull because the process for pulling a three-day liquor license is way different than right. a 30-day or a 60-day one. So they've uh, created caps and pushed you into a longer, more strenuous process where they can negotiate more terms. Mm. And do you see this as money. a do you see this as a way of just bumping sales for a possible sale? Ooh. Like legitimately trying to bump numbers and increase profits to better market themselves. I don't bigger. know. Night Shift has always been of the as much as they're as much distro as they do and as big as they grow. Um, there has been some part of their business that's always been very focused strategically on tap rooms. And this is just, yeah. to me, uh, an, ex- uh, an expansion of the tap room model. But that being said, um, it's a very fascinating idea. I mean, you're well, talking, it, you're, you're talking lot, you know, you're talking a lot of money. I mean, you, I mean, in, in the city is, is not cheap and you're, you're, you're investing a lot to a point where, they they're not night shift the way they used to be in my eyes. I mean, sure. I I you know I mean I think we can all agree on that that they're they're not where they used to be. But could there be some ulterior motives here? I I, I don't know. It's an interesting idea because they did sell off the distribution company, so they, they did. did consolidate yep. some of their business. And, so, they, and, and, and they pulled back on Philly. I mean, get it? It was COVID. They, you know, they pulled yeah. back on the whole Philly thing. You know, I'm just trying to understand the next step. And you're trying to keep up with a Trillium or a Treehouse buying freaking golf courses and I farms. Don't see, and, in, I the, don't, in the hierarchy of breweries in Massachusetts, I don't see... Trillium Treehouse are definitely equals. Yep. I don't see Night Shift as an equal to them. They're in a different world. Oh yeah, right? their their model is entirely, not entirely, but it's very heavily based on distribution. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas Trillium and Treehouse is the entire opposite. Their distribution is you come to us and pick up a flat of beer. Yeah. Um, I can get night shift at just about every single liquor store within, you know, spitting distance. But um, but let's I mean let's let's be honest. I mean they're making the same beers i mean not the same beers obviously but yeah. they're making very sim- they're they're making those hazies they're they're working that stuff I, I i see they're in the same market um there could be some argument for that but i, I would say that like they're in the same market at, in the same way that like i don't know tesla's in the same market as ford right they're both making cars but they don't exactly appeal to the same consumer okay um but you do make a really fascinating point that yeah listen if that one comes true then sean's gonna you heard it here first <laughs> well not only that but the you heard it here first sean was the one who on our our show about multi-location breweries i believe he's the one that mentioned something about trillium or treehouse if they moved into the merrimack valley and uh yeah. Listen, his head's fucking massive enough. Knock it off. <laughs> <laughs> this wide-angle lens makes it seem nice and tiny. That's the other way around. Wide-angle lenses make your head look huge. 
Sean Dooley, you've oh, been reading God. your screen for a while here. Phil's the actually guy. <laughs> no, 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 no. no I've actually. actually. <laughs> I've been trying to figure out like the the reasoning for the locations and I mean for night shift it just it seems like all these places are people that just get the fuck out. Like it's it's in the the biotech areas, it's it's along um Herder Park, so which is an area that uh, Mighty Squirrel now they're, has a beer garden. Notch has their Brighton location, so that's part of a loop. Like they're very strategic places. Either they're hitting people that are already in the area, hitting other breweries, or they're hitting people that work in the city and then get out of town. And so they're trying to get them right after work before they get out. Yeah. Well, I see that as an underserved market, right? So your your Cambridge biotech area is very underserved with the after work spots. And there's definitely been a growth in restaurants and, and other venues um, in that area, but in, in Kendall and whatnot, but it COVID put a huge, huge, um, you know, stop to a lot of that growth. Um, and now is, I think people are going to be coming back to the office faster than the restaurants and, and other venues, bars and whatnot open up. Um, and some are still, you know, many are open, but they're not open to the same level and the growth and development isn't there. As I'll say before. that just, I did just this past weekend, I went down to Waltham for, uh, the Bentley graduation, uh, a close friend of ours had their son, um, graduate from Bentley this weekend and they invited us. So we went down and we ended up hitting up, um, I think it was Bistro 781. Mm-hmm. They shut down the entire street. Moody Street in Waltham yep. for, you know, for ev- everything was its own outdoor seating. I mean, it, it, was, yeah. it was a pretty cool atmosphere. And to be able to, to rebound like that after after COVID and stuff like that, you know, we'll see how, how it works. I mean, they had, a, they had a pretty good tap list. They had a pretty good cocktail list. Um, but, right. you know, I mean, it was, it, was, it was a cool idea to be able to, to be able to work within Waltham, which is you know, uh, a largely, you know, commercial area anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's something to be said about whether it's the night shift beer gardens or, you know, um, over in Waltham or even the common craft that's in Burlington. It's, it's kind of expanding out into the, uh, bring your product closer to the people, right? Get to that after work crowd. Um, you know, your, your tap room's going to be busy on the weekends anyway, right? I think that's a that's a given, um, especially a you know say Comic Craft, which is the first thing we talked about at Burlington Mall. That's going to be busy on the weekends no matter what. But on the weekdays, that's where people aren't going to be venturing out to Idle Hands and Malden Center um, on a weekday, right? They're they going to get off the tee. They should, <laughs> but they're going to get off their get off the tee and walk to their car and go home. Um, whereas at, you know, Burlington Mall, right, like I said before, right across from Leahy Health and a bunch of other places, or in the city, you walk right downstairs, and oh, look, there's a beer garden in the park across the street. Have a couple beers before you head home. Mm-hmm. Hang out with your people that you haven't seen except for in Zoom for the last two years. Yeah, I'll tell you, that's something that I've seen firsthand in in you know working at navigation and stuff like that is he, whether it's people coming to us or even going somewhere else listen i'm going to be in traffic for an hour and a half anyway 
or yeah. I'm going to be in traffic for an hour. I might as well stop for a beer or two and I'll be home in 45 minutes or half hour. And you, right. you make up that time. You're going to be gone the same amount of time, maybe give or take, you know, 15, 20 minutes. But people are okay with stopping and having a, a drink and an appetizer because they know they're going to be sitting in traffic going up 93. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, guys. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to have to do this again. Um, probably stack up some news, though. Uh, though some of these all kind of came out of the blue in the last couple of days, so that was you might uh, need to chop this episode up an hour and a half. <laughs> I was going to say an hour and a half. I don't know, maybe. So yeah, guys, thank you again, and uh, we'll see you next time on Strike Mash Boil. Cheers. The Strike Mash Boil podcast is produced by the Merrimack Valley Homebrew Club, an American Homebrewers Association sanctioned club. Follow us on Instagram at MBHBC. Join the conversation in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash MVHBC. And check out our website at MVHBC.com. <laughs>